just last night I sat down on the sofa with my wife, kind of getting an end of the day brief, and it became very apparent to me very quickly she wanted me to listen. I was not to give her any answers. I was supposed to ask questions and listen. And God gave me the wisdom to do just that. I'm John Fuller, along with my focus colleagues, Dr. Greg Smalley and his wife, Erin. They lead our marriage team. I'm feeling pretty good about last night. I mean, we can talk about that we more can later. Tell. Yeah. You're very uppity, so it <laughs> I went got, well. It I got like. that one right. After years and years of offering my solution and her looking at me like, just listen to me, I finally got it. Good, good job. Uh, Jim Daly and I had a conversation with Bill and Pam Farrell. They love working with married couples, and they have a really fun, engaging relationship. Uh, now, in a previous episode, they addressed a situation in which uh, a woman was frustrated because her husband was spending so much time talking to his mom. And here's more of that conversation. So often when we get bumped, what's in us spews out. Mm-hmm. And if we haven't prepared ourselves mm-hmm. in a godly way, in a spiritual way, reading the word, um, ugly things can come out. Well, your point is so well taken, Jim, because we love to teach about selflessness we like to talk about selflessness. Mm-hmm. We don't actually like to be selfless. <laughs> right, right. And marriage forces selflessness upon us. It does. Okay? Because like, like it's, it's a hard answer to this young lady. She obviously cares about her marriage. She obviously wants to have a really strong relationship with her husband. But the hard message to her is she needs to not compete with her mother-in-law. That right. her, her job is to captivate her husband, not compete with her mother-in-law. And if she falls in the trap of trying to change his behavior, she's in a position she cannot control. Mm. And it reminds me of a, of a story that actually led to the first chapter in our book, the first five years. We, we call it Get in the Game. Because this guy brought his wife into my office and obviously cared about his relationship, cared about the marriage. Um, but he fell into the trap that so many people fall into. He sat her down in my office and started telling her who she you needed to be. You need to, to do be. this. The Bible says <laughs> you need to do that. And if you'd only listen to God about this. And honestly, you know, between all of us, intellectually, he was probably correct on a lot of things. Yeah. There were probably some things she needed to change. Um, and he was probably saying some of the right things. But the way he was saying it mm. and the position he it. was taking it mm-hmm. wasn't working. So speaking uh, truth without love. Yes. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm praying, okay, how do I break through to this guy? And I knew he was into sports. So I finally just stopped him. I said, you know what? You're not even in the game. You're like that guy that's sitting in the stands, yelling at the referee, yelling at the coach. You're not even on the field. I said, so you, got, you have a decision to make. You either need to, to like decide you don't want in the game at all, or you're going to learn how to, how to be a true husband. And play so, by God's So rules. get out of here, and you call me again if you want to get in the game. Wow. And I'm not sure what's going to happen at this point. But two weeks later, he called me. He said, okay, Bill, I want to get in the I game. I want in the game. And he came back to my office saying, I obviously don't know how to do this. So would you teach me how to be a husband? And that was the attitude that turned their whole marriage around. Yeah, mm-hmm. they went from having divorce papers to having a happy marriage. And um, I think that that's the key there is how would you want this conversation to happen towards you? I mean, mm-hmm. put your husband, mm-hmm. uh, be in your husband's shoes in this way. And, you know, the Bible says, season our words with grace. You know, what's a gracious way to bring up this topic? Mm-hmm. And how would you like it if your husband had to talk to you about your family? Let's use the same kind of words. Mm-hmm. You're onto something here, Bill and Pam, that I think we should explore a little bit more, and that is those natural differences. You know, I was, I found them so endearing. Mm-hmm. Those, those things that she did. Uh, I mean, there we are, are so some, much alike. There are some fundamental design differences here, and uh, 
we have an audio clip that kind of explains a little bit of the difficulty that we have encountering those and really embracing those differences. All right, so my wife comes up to me, and she's super emotional, and she just starts talking to me about these things. I have no idea where she's going with the conversation. And I try to help her out by providing solutions, but she she just gets mad at me. How do I deal with that? So what's the difference, and how does he approach that? Yeah, that sounds a lot like our bestseller. Men are like waffles, and we're like spaghetti. Yeah, we women tend to be very verbal, jumping from subject to subject to subject. In rapid fire. Oh, yeah. You know, that book got its title um, because of a couple like this. A man came up to Bill in the gym. He he said, Bill, can I bring my wife in? I think she's broken. (laughs) I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. So I said, absolutely, bring her in. So they came in. She's probably the most verbal woman I've met to this date. So they, <laughs> they no, sat down in my normal. office. He looked at her and went, go ahead. And so she talked from subject to subject to subject to subject to subject for 55 straight minutes. Right. Oh, and when halfway through that, he looked at Bill like, goes, see? She this does is, this all the time. Yeah. What I, like, I think something's wrong with her. She just goes on and on like this all the time. And Bill said, okay, you just need to listen. So he uh, taught him some active listening skills. And so she hopped from subject to subject for 55 minutes. And then she leaned back and she said, wow, that was really great. I mean, he really listened to me. Okay, so if I'm like spaghetti, you said that women travel and make connections. And if I'm like spaghetti, then what's he like? And I said, well, you know, we're, we're done for today, but we'll meet in a couple of weeks. And I'll let you know then. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a counselor's way of saying, I don't know the answer, but I'll find out. And my boys were making toaster waffles in between those two meetings. And I went, I think that might work. Because I was looking for a guy way to explain this. And guys like food, so I figured it probably would work. And I explained to them that men compartmentalize their thinking. We really like to break life down to one issue at a time. That's why we're problem solvers. Like the guy said, I, I want to give her solutions. Like that, That's a sincere motivated response from a guy. We really do want to give solutions. We want to break things down, give an answer, create a, a, a plan to move forward, and be heroic. That's our brain chemistry. That's what we want to do. Yeah. And so I explained that to this couple, and I told her, okay, it's his turn to talk this week. You cannot change subjects. And it was really hard for her. Like six times in that meeting, I had to stop her and said, you can't go there. That's not the subject. Back to this box. Right. And so when we get married, we don't realize that we've married somebody very different than us and that we have to learn new communication skills. Right, because we women, we like to travel from topic to topic to topic in part because we want to make those emotional connections to the people and things that we love the most. And that's why we're so great at multitasking, which is very different than men compartmentalizing mm-hmm. and sticking to one thing at a time. But in your first five years of marriage, how do both the man and the woman learn to complement this rather than critique it and criticize it how did they really it's hard take a deep breath because <laughs> it, it probably creates the greatest amount of conflict yeah because you're not communicating and you start shutting down like i remember we're sitting in our living room we're having a nice conversation and i said something i to this day i still can't tell you what it is that i said but i got this incredible reaction from pam she just jumped out of her chair ran to our bedroom you don't love me anymore slam the door <laughs> look back to see if he'd followed me <laughs> Sounds like Pam remembers what you said. <laughs> and Jim, I'm thinking, what, what, first of all, what just happened? And then what am I supposed to do? Like, my dad never told me marriage was going to be like this. Mm. One guy said, yeah, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> <laughs> and I was where a lot of guys are. We're like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. Like, my wife just gave this emotional outburst. 
uh, and in my mind, I'm thinking, do I follow her into the bedroom and try to repair this? Or should I sit here in the living room and outlast this behavior that looks really bad to me? Mm. Maybe she just needs space. <laughs> right. And I'm totally guessing. Mm. And I, you're wrong either way. Exactly. <laughs> I learned that lesson. Exactly. One time I stayed back. Why didn't you come in and talk with me? The next time it was, why'd you come in? I'm still angry at you. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy's going, oh, man, this is a lose-lose oh. proposition. Rock, hard place, yeah. Well, and as men, we need to learn that women process. They, they don't always need answers. They process. Yeah. And they're connecting life. It's one of the main ways that women build trust is they connect their life to the person they think is important. I so appreciate uh, Bill and Pam Farrell. They bring such energy and they celebrate those differences. Uh, Greg, there may be a guy or two in our audience who's, who's thinking, I try to listen, but I kind of feel like she's manipulating me into listening. So help him out. What, what can he do about that? I would say, first of all, so if, if, if I'm listening to Aaron or if I'm if Aaron's trying to talk to me and I'm believing that she's manipulating me into listening probably the first place that I want to go to is I wonder why my guess is that Aaron hasn't felt heard understood cared for really connected through a conversation maybe it's because you know I spend more time trying to listen for details so I can fix whatever's going on I mean whatever's going on whatever's happening we have to be so careful that we don't quickly label our spouse as being manipulative or being whatever, passive aggressive. Because oftentimes when we believe that, then we're going to see evidence to support that belief in everything they do. So I'm just saying, first of all, if if you feel that way, I mean, that would be something great to talk about. But if if I'm sensing Aaron's trying to manipulate me within a conversation to get me to listen, it's probably because I really haven't done a good job mm. listening. Which is why I can choose how I want to show up in those moments. So let's say that the truth is that Aaron is actually, you would never do this, but I'm saying let's say for the sake of argument here that Aaron was manipulated. What would that look like? Never. Um, Maybe a manipulation can be a time like she might try to um, draft me into a conversation right then and there. I mean, I, I might You're have not something else it, going on. could not be ready. Yeah. I may be hungry, tired, whatever's going on. So it could be that I, I need you to listen, and I want you to do it right now. Okay. I would say that's manipulative. Um, oftentimes people couch uh, conversations as, you know, I want to be able to talk this through, but really what they want to do is lecture you, tell you how it is, and you need to change this and that. that, that that's probably more of what this husband was talking about. Okay. But regardless, I get to choose how I want to show up. So let's say, in fact, that Aaron is being manipulative. Who has God created me to be as a husband? What is? How does he want me to show up? I can choose to be gentle. I can choose to 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 really start to listen, to, to pray, God, help me to understand what Aaron is saying right now, although it feels manipulative. Lord, what are you wanting me to take away from this? Mm. So the good news is just because Aaron is showing up in a certain way, it doesn't mean that I have to join in or I have to be impacted by that. I'm allowed to go, here's who I am. And, and I want to be a husband who does listen, who is trying to give her good presence through my eyes. I'm yeah. listening with my ears. Well, I, I think that's where, not to pat myself on the back, but I had the, the bandwidth to not have to solve a problem last night. Yeah. Hmm. And we, we spent so much of our lives together parenting and parenting problems and dealing with issues 
that I've been the, well, here's what I think the solution is. So God gave me the presence of mind last night to say, wow, she's had a long day, and there was a lot crammed into that. She needs me to just hear her out. And that's perfect. Now, Dina could have showed up already in her mind with a very specific agenda. Uh, That would be a part of that manipulation. But you do exactly what you just talked about to counter that. You show up in a way to where you're listening, you're really seeking to understand, you know, help me to understand, especially the emotions. You're you're validating, you know what? Um, man, that makes perfect sense, you know, that you would feel that way. I, I don't have to agree with how she feels, but I can say it makes yes. perfect sense. Yes. I can really try to empathize and put myself in her shoes going, yeah, okay, I get that she's got an agenda, but man, what what's going on for her? She's feeling this or that. What would I be doing in this moment if I felt that way? Yeah, probably the same thing. <laughs> All that can lead to to a deeper, um, authentic conversation, a, a true connection. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that, speaking of listening, that Erin's done a great job of listening to us she ramble has. on. Yeah. I think and you've just got something take it to... all in. I've been tapping Greg. And... <laughs> so we feel yes. validated what, in her. What's your agenda right now? What, what do you want me... <laughs> to you did have a point. To say yeah. one word. Yeah. <laughs> what I was going to say is, I mean, the option that I always have is just to say, gosh, what I really want is just for you to hear me. Or if I'm thinking that, you know, I want to um, lecture you, you know what, I just really need you to hear this point of view. I'm not going to say I want to lecture you, although I might. <laughs> you're, you're about <laughs> to just, get lectured. Just too. laying Hold it on. out of what I'm really looking yeah. for. You know, I want your eye contact because well, that'll tell me, me you that you're listening. So that's aspirational. Like that's a really good idea to, to let the listener know what your goal is. Yes. Honestly, that probably happens rarely. But as the listener, I can ask you that. Mm-hmm. So you may launch in in some other way, and I can always say, "Hey, before we be, be, before we talk, what is it that you're wanting mm-hmm. right now?" Or mm-hmm. if you sense manipulation, you know, to be able to ask. Like, what's going on right now? Mm-hmm. I'm sensing, you know, I'm not sure, but this is what I'm seeing. Yeah. Like, I'm seeing or hearing some intensity in your voice, and you're talking about this, but I, you know, I'm confused. You know, just asking those deeper questions of what is really going on. Yeah. What do you really like want you, to? There, maybe there's an agenda here. Yeah, I don't or know maybe about you're what, wanting to really, really talk really about want? something else. Mm-hmm. This is really good stuff. I wish I had learned this, oh, I don't know, 35 years ago as we were just starting out as a couple. But hey, uh, you're doing it now. Try so it, better yeah. Life. And, and I guess the encouragement to you as a listener is get a copy of the book from the Ferals, The First Five Years. This is this time, these first five years, is when you develop these patterns and you build trust and you make sure that you've got a good foundation for communication in the coming decades. So uh, make a generous donation as you can to the Ministry of Focus on the Family today, either a monthly pledge or a one-time gift, and we'll say thanks by sending a copy of the Ferals book to you. Again, it's called The First Five Years, and the link is in the show notes. And then when you're at the website, uh, we've got a lot of helpful articles. We'll link over to one in particular. It's called Why Are Men Like Waffles? Why Are Women Like Spaghetti? That's the title of one article. I love it. It seems like a whole book, I think. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I want spaghetti all of a sudden. Curb Your Hunger and Have Spaghetti and Waffles, the new thing from Focus on the Family. Actually, it's from Bill and Pam Farrell. We're going to have them back. They're so good. Uh, They'll be here next time. Uh, For now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron Smalley and the entire team here, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. Mm